You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant and executive coach and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. And this is the first episode of 2019. Um, so happy new year to all my listeners. I hope that you had a wonderful holiday and hopefully a break, some rest and an opportunity to recharge as you head into a new year. It was a mixed bag for me. You know, in truth, I had a wonderful time, a restful time, a joyful time with my husband and the kids and, um, no travel, which is always wonderful for me, given how much travel I do in the year. And at the same time, it was very challenging time. It's around the time that my father's um, anniversary of his passing happens. And it's also, you know, the first year without mum. So it was up and down. It was a roller coaster, in truth, you know. And I thought of many people who were in similar positions where we remember the loved ones that are no longer with us. So many other people were also in my thoughts as I tra- traverse my own journey over the holiday period. So we are back though in 2019. I, and I wanted to start 2019 with a, with a guest. You know, I will do a session around goal setting and the future and everything because I know that's on top for many people. But I wanted to start this session, this session here. Look at me. I was like, I'm on my delivering a workshop. I wanted to start this episode with a guest um, who really demonstrates courage and resilience and tenacity. Um, I wanted to put someone in our in the front of us who has a way of being that if we could be that this year, could produce amazing results for us. She's so engaging and inspiring. She's a fellow Brit. Um, I was able to spend some time with her to have a conversation about her life journey so far as a successful Olympic athlete and as a breast cancer survivor. You know, I wanted to start start with her because her story may not be your story, but there's so much that she shares that if we if we could be that the grit and the courage that she has the the commitment to life the she has this infectious way about her that if we could be that if we could approach our lives like that in 2019 you know imagine what's possible so how how might me how might we kind of tackle our take on our own lives in, in our own challenges if we brought her way of being to that um or how might we just relate to life if we just had take a moment of le- other lessons to learn from her so I wanted to start with Donna who's in, so inspiring and um and I'm sure that you'll be inspired by her as the first episode so I will we'll come back to her in a minute with I'll introduce her and um, share her bio with you. But before we do that, I wanted to share what's been driving me this week. And so this week, 
it's been my first week back at work. I, you know, on a one level, I've been like totally on top of it. You know, I've got a very clear like a list of things that I need to accomplish this week. I am, you know, catching up and getting back in the groove, doing what I can to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success this year. So January for me is a foundation month, really. So whilst I'm still starting to kind of see my clients again, I'm really in creation. I'm looking back at what I did last year, but I'm looking at what's going to be different this year in terms of my overall strategic approach to my work and what are the goals that I want to accomplish and and how do I want to do that but I'm this time normally I'm really like wanting to get it done by the by the end of the first week that I'm back but this time I'm giving myself a much broader like more time to do that foundation work because of a couple of things I wanted to I want to be a better version of Shirley in 2019 and a better version of Shirley is how do I achieve my work goals without sacrificing my personal health and well-being? How do I achieve my work goals whilst also having um, my attention on the things that inspire me and feed my creativity around my hobbies, for example, and giving space to that, and which I don't often give space to? How do I achieve my work goals whilst, or my business goals whilst still taking enough time off in the year? And um, and how do I achieve my work goals by by also meeting my goals as a mum and a wife and um, a friend and a sister and all the an aunt and all the other roles that I hold. So um, I want to take more time to create my goals, but also set the structures up in my year to make it work. And um, and so that's why one reason why I'm delaying the goals episode, because I'm bringing I'm I'm taking a slightly different approach and building on what I've done before. And and once I've kind of done that, I'd like to then share with you what I've done. Um, to to be and I know there's lots of different things out there about goal setting um, and so I wanted to want to see what I'm going to do this time to bring something else to the table and share that with you and share that with others to see what difference it could make there are lots of expectations at this time of year on that we put on ourselves and so what if we just slow down on those expectations and really were thoughtful about what is it that I really want to work on what is it that I really want to accomplish and then the things that we create are more likely to be achievable rather than sitting in some disappointment in February because we created all these things and we haven't been able to stick to them so that's what's been driving me this week And now it's review of the week time. So, you know, review of the week. The reviews are so important for two things. One is it keeps me and Cassandra going, you know, in producing the podcast. You know, it's a lot of work. I took some time off over the holidays for some self-care, you know, to just give myself a bit of a break. 
given how challenging I knew it was going to be for me and um, to get back in, to keep on producing the podcast. You're the ones that keep me going when I hear the impact that it's having and the difference that it's making to you. So thank you so much for writing the reviews, for rating the show, for being in contact with me um, because it is such a motivator. And the other reason why it's important is it's a way of us growing the show. It's a way of more people getting access to the show. So please, you know, don't hesitate to go over, do a five-star um, review, and I will read out your review on one of my episodes. And so this week's review moved me so much. Um You'll see why when I read it out and it's a review and also just kind of a, a, a message really to me. Um, she says it's a great podcast and so real and it's by Boss B 83 And she said, I totally understand your hurt. I lost my mother at six years old from breast cancer and my dad to the jail system five months after the day of my birthday it never gets easy queen but keep it keep your head up and I love that song by Martin Sapp it gave me it got me through a lot of hard times crucial times in my life that I have felt alone especially being a single mother of my prince but it reminds me that I'm never really alone keep doing the great things queen and my condolences to you Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. It moves me whenever, you know, people, it really does, you know, I don't, I've I've never met you and you um, share yourself with me and you um, send me beautiful messages. And so thank you so much for that. And if you want to rate and review the show, then I will be reading out your five-star review at one of my episodes. Okay, let's move on. Right, so let's let me introduce my guest to you. So this week we have Donna Fraser, and Donna is one of the UK's most successful 400 meter runners, who competed at four consecutive Olympic Games and is now the vice president to the sports governing body UK Athletics. She's also the equality and diversity and engagement lead there. And you'll hear that she's been given another um, role um, in the interview. And prior to her current role as the UK Athletics Vice President, she held the position of the President of the South of England Athletics Association. And she was chair of the Black and Asian and Minority Ethnic Network at uh, an organization called EDF Energy. She dedicated over two decades to her sports in athletics while pursuing a corporate career and now uses her talents to give something back to communities, her sport and those who want to achieve great things in life by inspiring and sharing her knowledge and experience gained in the world of sport and business. She's also, you'll hear, a breast cancer survivor and does a lot of work to raise awareness of breast cancer in the black community. A woman who is just so inspiring. I give you Donna Fraser. Donna, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be speaking to you at last. Yes, at last. And I'm really, whenever I have a Brit on the show, I get a kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling, I have to say, because, you know, it feels like home. 
you oh, know, I'm glad you're warm and fuzzy because <laughs> it's cold here. Well, actually, it's actually snowing outside. But oh. <laughs> is it cold? Is it cold? Is um. Nice. So let's start by you sharing with our listeners what you do and how you came to do what you're doing. So it's a bit of a long journey, actually. Um, I'm a four-time Olympian in athletics and was that was my well it's still in my blood now although I can't run 400 meters to save my life right about now (laughs) but that's another story um so I always worked alongside my athletics career that was by choice simply because having a West Indian family they were like athletics is not going to last forever you need to do something else so I always worked in parallel to my athletics career which was pretty tough you almost got two occupations to work with but I did it because I was passionate about both things Um, and then when I started to come to the back end of my career I was asked to be vice president of UK athletics went through that whole process and I've been vice president now for two three years which is all around the governance of the sport of athletics and then another role came up at UK athletics for equality and diversity lead and at the time I was with another organization and I went for that and I got it. So I've been in that role now for two years. Uh, it's, um, it's an interesting role, to say the least. You know, you think it's quite obvious, equality, diversity and inclusion. It, it, speak, you know, it speaks for itself, but it's all about our values and our behaviours as an organisation and whether that's fully instilled and demonstrated um, in day-to-day work of the individuals within the sport. So that's both from an athlete perspective and organizationally so it's a big task um changing culture you know culture yes. change is not easy it doesn't happen overnight but we're getting there wow so that's quite um there's what well, it is a big task so look we can come back to that in a minute so let's share, let's delve into a bit more in your athletics background so you Tell us what you did before, because you said you had these two work running in power. And I'm also interested in the West Indian background. There was so much in what you said that I want to kind of <laughs> dig into, actually. Oh, let's do <laughs> so it. So let's see where we go. Where do we, where do we begin? Oh, um, I love that voice. <laughs> I can't replicate so, that voice. So let's start with, um, as an athlete, you know, tell us something about how you got into athletics and, you know, and your accomplishment because you are a very accomplished athlete um and uh and, and obviously 400 meters was your sport but you know to share more with us about about your your background yeah, sure. in terms of sports um, background it's a bit of a, a this is your life and the and brits will understand what what i'm saying when i say this is your life because it started way back when i was eight years old um, extremely shy, but having older sisters who you obviously want to do what they do. But the mm. sister before me, she loved athletics, watched athletics. And I can remember watching the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles on TV thinking, I want to be there because <laughs> of the after party and all the colours and joyfulness that was going on. Forget about the sport itself. But I was like, I want to be there. I want to be part of that. So, um, you know, I was primary school at the time and I was just literally pushed by my primary school teacher. You know, she'd always say to me, be determined, you can do this. And being selected for my primary school to compete for them was like a big thing because I was so shy, didn't speak to many people. And uh, I was selected by the local club to come down and join the club and be part of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, so telling again, going back to the West Indian 
background telling them I wanted to do sport was like are you serious you can forget that for a start Uh, um, my sister really spoke up for me and said this is probably what she needs to come out of her shell and just you know another different activity for her to do you never know if it doesn't work then at least we've tried and the rest is history I went down on a cold evening and I saw people who were doing things that I wanted to do and that was just running and having fun and doing all of that and I joined the club and I just built and worked my way through up the ranks um, and partway changed events because I started off as a sprinter and wasn't uh, doing as well as I'd like to with my long legs I was growing mm-hmm. I wasn't doing well at the 200 I almost plateaued and some bright spark said, why don't you try the 400 metres? And I was are you serious? That's a long way. <laughs> I, I was completely turned off by it. But it turned out that was my event. And I was achieving so much at such a fast rate at that event. No one expected me to do as well as I did. European junior champion within that year. Wow. Again, no one expected that. But that was my last year as a junior. I was literally catapulted into the senior ranks. And when you're coming from the junior level, going into seniors, you're almost starting at the bottom of the ladder again. So it was learning how to, well, coming out of your comfort zone, I'd say. It's more so that mentally, okay, I'm with the big girls now. I need to raise my game. The the older girls, as I'd call them, um, they welcomed me in. I was like their little sister. And, you know, an example was my first Olympics, 96, where, you know, you get that letter, you're going to the Olympics, it's like, (laughs) "Ah!" screaming for joy. And then reality sets in thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to the Olympics. And it it really did take me back to watching the 84 Olympics. Right. You know, like, that's where I wanted to be. And now I'm going. And that was my first big heartfelt achievement that I I really experienced and you know my family were over the moon but of course it's not just getting the kit and the letter to say you're going you have to perform as well right and that was the a learning curve for me because once I got there I was around the best of all sports it wasn't just athletics it was all sports right and seeing how they moved how they carried themselves and their performance I was just in awe and I learned so much at my first Olympic Games and although I didn't progress to the final, the the learnings I took away from that, you know, the Olympic and Paralympic values, what that means to people, friendship, all of that, the respect, that's what I came away with as well as a personal best, which I was at my best I could possibly have done. Right. but then it was the next four years that was really fundamental for me because I'd done it, got the T-shirt at the Olympics. It was that next level right now. Donna, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do in these next four years, training-wise, mindset, eating better, resting better, doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2000, I had the great opportunity of training with Kathy Freeman, the great Kathy Freeman. Wow. That's that summer absolutely I mean, I, that, that was exactly oh my, my response <laughs> uh, she was just amazing and again I always think every day I get up I should go to bed knowing that I've learned something and that particular summer I learned that although she was the best in the world she is still human mm. and it's only on the day that counts If you've got it up here and you're as fit as you possibly can be, anyone can win that race. 
Um, and, and that's what I learned because she was just normal. You know, I expected her to be, I don't know what I expected her to be, but not how she was, you know. She was just so down to earth and you almost put people on a pedestal. You put the yeah. celebrities on pedestals and they're still human, you know. They they still have feelings. They they go to the toilet like we do. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. So it, that, again, was a, a learning curve and just pushing myself, breaking down those, uh, perceptions that oh I'm not sure I can do that but actually you've just done it Donna and the belief started to come back in me that I I was talented enough to make an Olympic final wow so then um I'm, I would like before we go into what then the next what happened around that I'm curious about what at what point did that shyness start to drop Come away out. or has it always has it ever dropped away you know sometimes we just skill ourselves out and so that ele element of ourselves is still there so sh because that was one of those reasons a good reason for starting this journey so I'm curious about what's what that experience so far had 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 taught you about yourself in that way definitely um going back to that shyness before getting to that olympic level you know I've had to go and go away on training camps on my own with without my sister or my parents being there at one stage I was like yes but then it was like I have to fend for myself now I have to make friends I had no choice but to come out of my shell and right. talk to people um and I think I think the shyness is still there and I'll let you into a secret I do have an alter ego there's Diane and there's Donna okay Diane is this hardcore, what the hell are you talking about? Get on with it. You can do this. Just stop messing about. And Donna's like, oh, shall I, shan't I? Oh, I'm still shy. You know, the eight-year-old who was nervous to go and run for uh, school. Right. So I, I do believe we all have masks, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and it's how best you use them. And I definitely use that to my advantage. That The Diane is the one that is the one on the line saying, I'm winning this. I don't care whether I'm ranked 10th or whatever. I am winning this race. Right. Whereas Donna's the one that will think twice about it. Mm, not sure, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of approach. So, um, yes, it, it's still there. The shyness is absolutely still there. But I think over the sport that I've been, you can't go in there being beaten before you've even started. So I've developed that that stronger mindset that kicks the doubt to one side when I get nice. it. Nice. I love that you've created an alter ego <laughs> as a strategy. Yeah, I love that. And I love that because then you can you bring Diane in when she needs to arrive, when she needs to show up and knowing that level of self-awareness is in the moment knowing when Diane needs to Diane needs to show up right about now, you know. So and and so I'm curious about before we um come back to the next stage in the in your athletic career, um, how does that in the it's kind of like maybe obvious when you're about to run a race, you know, you're you're at the the, the start line and you're like, I need to win this. When does when do you know when Diane needs to arrive that's in life? Question. That's a great question. Um, I love a challenge, and I do think that is probably the athletics in me, uh, and that always trying to better yourself each time you step on the track. You don't just say, "Well, 
okay, well, today I'll run 12 seconds and that might make me come eight. You say, no, I'm going to run 11 seconds and I'm going to win the race. Right. You, you almost ingrain yourself to push past what maybe your expectations are, what everyone else expects you to. And, right. you know, I've spent most of my athletics career people doubting me and doubting my own ability. But I get a kick out of that because I think I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm yes. going to show you. And, and in the most polite way, I'm not arrogant about it, but results show. So in everyday life, and, I, you know, I get it. And I use, um, you know, when you go for a job, for example, you'll look at the criteria. You think, oh, I haven't got that. I haven't got that. But then Diane will be like, well, what the hell? You won't know until you've applied for it. Nice. So, you know, it, it's that kind of thing. You don't know until you've tried and another example, you know, when I first started, um, like, going out to networking events, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, the shy Donna's here. It's like, hell no, I'm going to walk in there head high. And I remember my sister always saying to me, Donna, you're really tall. Don't be embarrassed by your height. Hold your head up high and be proud of being tall because I was always taller than all my friends. Right. And that's where Diane kicks in again. Like, be tall, go in there, be confident don't show your weaknesses and that's what my coach would always say to me after a race no matter how knackered you are Donna do not show your weakness and show how tired you are walk off that track with dignity and you're killing yourself dying <laughs> but you know it's that yes. whole persona you know yeah. and, and you know if if you start believing in that that becomes natural after a while mm -hmm. but you know you have your down times but in yes. everyday life there's always that dip but then eventually Diane will be like, no, get back on that horse, Donna. You'll be fine. Nice. I love that. I love that. I love the notion as well that, you, that, that you've been trained to um, always play for a, a personal best. You know, yeah. if you're every race you run, it's like, is this good? I'm going to if 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 I do nothing else, let me walk off having to do a personal best. That, that we can have that approach in life in the things that we take on. Like, what's my personal best as I enter into this Absolutely. arena, whatever it's a job or a presentation or something? Absolutely. It's, it's being the best version of you. And um, what I find really interesting is um, with my family, they say, oh, Donna's the organiser. But for my entire life, I've had to be, especially with the job and my athletics career, I had to plan so far ahead Right. that I was doing work and projects way ahead of deadlines to ensure when I went away to do my athletics, I wasn't thinking about it. And I do that now, even though I don't have my athletics, I'm planning now for next year, 2019, my work program set for the whole of 2019. It's like, how have you done that? I'm like, well, isn't that normal? <laughs> you know, so the whole goal setting comes really natural to me. Goal setting, achieving, winning, it's in my blood and my other half laughs at me when we first started dating he says you know we we're going to the station he says don you're actually racing me to the station and i'm like what do you mean he said i can see you're looking to one side and edging forward and i don't know i'm doing it wow. i honestly don't know it, it's it's weird <laughs> that's weird that is that is that is funny that and that keeping your eye on your keeping your eye on your environment checking it out making sure staying ahead of the game love that so Absolutely. so then let's continue with the story around your career so then you had your first olympic games you came back you're preparing for the next one and so so what's happening 
So between 96 and 2000, I, I had a few injury issues, but had the opportunity to train with Kathy Freeman. Um, it wasn't until I got to the Olympics and was going through the rounds. And those were the days when you had four rounds of the 400 meters. It's now three and people beg to differ whether which one was harder, which was more difficult. I think the four rounds was harder because you're doing 400 meters four times. And that's my opinion. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and for each round I stepped foot on that track, I ran a personal best to arrive at the final, Wow! which, which no one, apparently I was the first person to ever done that. I don't know, but whatever. And in that final, through the rounds, I was in lane seven and eight. No problem, because I like those lanes. I can focus on me. I don't see anyone. I'm doing my race pattern. It's all good. Come the final, I was in lane two. Now, most 400-meter runners would absolutely love lane two because they can see the other girls on the outside minus one person who's on the inside. Me, complete opposite mindset, was like, okay, I can see everyone, but I'm going to stay in my bubble. I'm going to get in the zone and just do my thing. So the gun goes and the first 200, I'm there. And I look up at the big screen on the top bend and see I'm last, dead last. I was in another world that first 200. I wasn't in the Olympic final. And that was when I started to run. I was back in the race and that last, hundred just seemed like it was over in a flash I it, it just happened and the next thing I knew I crossed the line saw Freeman there on the ground and there's that famous picture that there's me hold you know hugging her and she's looking at we're looking up at the screen just looking at the results coming up and that sense of relief that I'd finished but that gutting feeling when I saw that I'd come forth Mm. and it was like are you serious in one hand I was really happy for Freeman I trained with her all summer and on the other hand I was gutted for myself because right. I was too in my zone I wasn't self-aware I wasn't aware of what was going right. on around me no positions until it was too late and that was that was heart-wrenching and every time I watch the race now I expect a different result which is ridiculous <laughs> um, but I'm like, yes, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It's like, oh, no, you're not, Donna. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that was again, a hard lesson. Oh, hugely, huge lesson that it does not matter. You could be as fit as you possibly could be, which I was. I was the fastest, the best shape I was in in my entire career. But up here, wasn't right. Right, right. And it's mindset. about and being present and aware of your what's around you what's and going what's, on what's actually absolutely. happening what's actually happening that again is a great life lesson isn't it you know in life if we're not aware of what's happening around us if we're too in our zone that we can't see the yeah. what's happening around us then then we we can't produce the results that we really really want absolutely um, wow so then when how far did you go in terms of your career and when did you stop running <laughs> gosh so um another four years a lot happens in the four years in athletics terms again injuries and I was literally written off by the athletics media in the next four years that oh she's done yeah had a great olympics in 2000 
Um, but I fought back and it goes back to when there's that set, that doubt out there, the critics. Mm-hmm. I, I was determined I'm going to prove them wrong. And I trained so hard in, when I came back in end of back end of 2003, leading into 2004 and made my third Olympic Games. Wow. I was like, there you go. I'm back, you know, <laughs> and just to get there and be part of the team. I knew it was going to be a big task to actually make another final because I wasn't in that kind of shape. But to get that far and get to another Olympics was just another achievement and you know it was like now you can go away you can stop talking about me now um so then 2004 between 2004 and 2008 had not too bad you know things started to work out pretty well in terms of training you know a few illnesses but then work started to really escalate and it was really getting tough to to juggle the two training in east london traveling it was taking its toll so then in 2008, I thought after the Olympics, I got another Olympics. This was my final Olympics is that I didn't get to compete and I was devastated. I, I really because I was only selected for the relay going into 2008. And I really was I made a promise to myself in, two, in 94 that if I ever get selected to represent my country and not run, I really need to think about it. And I'd always been selected for major championships up until then. So selected, but not stepped foot on the track was just devastating. I'm like, this is history repeating itself here. Mm. So I need to readdress where I am, where I'm going. And so that winter of 2008, I said, right, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try 400 meters indoors. So that's two laps indoors rather than the one outdoors because it's a 200 meter track. And they all thought I was crazy because I've got long legs, they're tight bends. Why the hell are you doing this? But I just needed something different. I needed a challenge to see whether I, if I'd go, something different, keep the mind going. And I didn't do too bad considering I came away with a European indoor medal for the relay and I was just over the moon. And that's just what I needed to catapult me into the outdoor season for the world champs that were coming that summer. But then... May of 2009, I found a lump in my breast and I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. Maybe I put it down to training, you know, and mm-hmm. see what's going on. And nothing changes. As you know, all the advice is out there, but nothing changed. Went to get it checked out. And my GP said, well, it's probably a cyst, but regardless, it will need to be removed. So we'll get it removed, do a biopsy and etc. Okay, no problem. So the season was coming around pretty quick now, training hard, doing what I needed to do. Had the um, lump removed and two weeks later I was back out competing. I went to Austria to compete. Everyone was like, you nuts? What's going on? I know, I'm mad. And the agony I was in, I can remember now thinking, oh, that was painful. Um, And then, you know, a few weeks later when I got back, the results came in they said right come on we've got the results and it was then that they said I I had early stages of breast cancer and I was like what the hell was that Mm. curveball um and it knocked me for six it really really knocked me for six and the surgeon said right go ahead there's the care nurse from Macmillan Cancer Care to talk to you about the next steps what we need to do so we went into this side room and I, I just burst into tears. Oh, no, oh, my God. And then Diane appeared. 
And it was literally, she gave me a couple of slaps and said, sort it out. And I was like, okay, what do we need to do? I literally, it was almost like someone put a pause button and then press play and I was a different person. I said, right, okay, what do we need to do? What's the next steps? Where do I need to go? Tell me what and I'll be there. And she was taken aback, like, "Mm, weren't you just crying a minute ago kind of thing? Yeah, so, and then, yeah. I could go on talking about that forever, but I'm sure you have other questions. <laughs> no, let's keep this. No, if you're happy to keep going to yeah. seeing how you then deal with that, because that is huge that yeah. you, here you are, you, you, you've got yourself back, you know, you've got yourself back really. And you, and, and the, the, there's so much Donna, there's so much. And then also the, the power of us being willing to go beyond the critics, you know, go beyond the the naysayers that can be around us and say, I'm not going to listen to that. The Those voices out there that are not in support of me, I'm going to listen to either an inner voice or I'm going to listen to the voices that support me Absolutely. and to, to power through that. And then to have this, this diagnosis. So, you know, yeah. how did you come through that and what, what at this stage what are you learning about yourself oh my gosh yeah that that is the key to any devastation that people go through any barriers they have to overcome you start learning about who you are as an individual and I always felt I knew me and the kind of person I was but that was where I really had to dig deep into the, the, the character that I was, but it had to come to the forefront. And what that is, is within my family, although I'm the youngest within my family, everyone sees me as the rock. So I had to literally, again, Diane gave me a few slaps before I told my family what the diagnosis was. And I was fine by then. I was like, okay, I've got breast cancer. This is what I need to do. Bam, bam, bam. And they were like, oh, okay. And it was almost like, because I was okay, they were okay. And I know if I had been crying down the phone, they would have been to pieces. Mm. And that actually helped me go get through it because if I was strong, they were strong. And I didn't want to be wrapped in cotton wool. I, I didn't want them to come to every appointment. I just got on because they didn't know I was going through all that before. You see, they, I didn't right. go tell them anything. And they were fine. I was like, okay, we'll come to you when you have to go and start your radiotherapy and have that conversation. Okay, fine. But I went in on my own with the professor and he sat me down and he said, "Um, Donna, uh, you know, with your age, have you ever considered having a mastectomy? And I was like, another curveball. What are you talking about? I come to talk about my radiotherapy treatment. How are you telling me about that? So again, my head was all over the place. And I said to him, well, what would what would you recommend I do? And of course, he can't tell you what to do, anyone what to do. It, it's right. your own personal choice. So I left there and I thought, okay, right, let me speak to different people, my family, my friends, my physio, my coach. I spoke to everyone who knew me. And they said, each and every one of them said the same thing, Donna, it's your life it's your decision I was like okay so now it's down to Diane and me it's Donna Mm. and Diane who has to make this decision and Diane in my mind said Donna do you want to live or die and I thought you know what I'm cut into the chase after all the injuries I've gone through my athletics you know you go through treatment after treatment after treatment and in the end 
I wish I'd had the operation on whatever injury it was just to cut to the chase, cut out on that time frame. Right. And that's the approach I had. Let me just cut to the chase, get rid of the bad boob and let's just live rather than worrying year after year whether it's come back or not. And so the 1st of December 2009, I went under surgery and had the bad boob removed. And like you said, that's when I really learned about my um, insecurities and I became the shy eight-year-old Donna again where it was like, I don't want to wear anything tight anymore. Everyone can see, you know, I was so conscious about that. And my sister said to me, Donna, you're fine. And it was that turning point where I had to wear a bikini to, to a spa. Right. And I was like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to wear it. She's like, no one is looking at your boob, for goodness sake. And I did it. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm still me. No one's pointing their fingers. At, you know, there's yeah. no these big fingers coming yeah. out of all directions. And that was that was the turning point for me where I was like, you know what? I'm still me. A bit of me has been taken away from me, yes. But if I was to walk down the road, obviously fully clothed, no one would know. They'll see Donna Fraser and that right. that's what matters to me. Right. So that's what spurred me while I was in recovery to do more around breast cancer and for my community because I feel we as black people do not, and Asians, do not talk about the C word enough right. and are afraid, not all, but some are afraid to go and get themselves checked out and miss their mammogram appointments and all of that. And I felt I needed to do something and tell my story. And despite the reluctance from my parents say, no, you mustn't hang out your dirty laundry and tell everyone your business and this, that and the other. I was like, it, it's no longer about me, mum and dad. Yes. It's not about me. It's about if I can save one life, that's good enough for me. Yeah. So I hooked up with, which was then uh, Breakthrough Breast Cancer, and it's now Breast Cancer Now, to become an ambassador to tell my story and talk about, you know, just the awareness, raise that awareness of being body aware. And that's probably helped me being an athlete. I was so body aware that something wasn't quite right. Yes. Go and get it checked out. No one knows their body better than themselves. So if you're unsure, just go and sort it out and get it checked out. So that that's what I, I started to do. And it's just been such a, it's probably been my rehab than anything mm. else, talking to other women who have gone through chemo. And I count myself lucky because I called it early enough to either have a mastectomy or have gone down the radiotherapy route. But that's the key. It's about prevention. It's about intervention and getting it, catching it early because there are treatments out there to, to help people who have called it early enough. Right. Wow. Donna. <laughs> incredible, incredible. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Are you. Amazing. You're amazing. I find I feel I feel very moved by your courage and your um your commitment and your stand for yourself and for others. And just like is the phrase rolling with the punches is a <laughs> word is a phrase that comes to mind. Definitely. Right? It's like Definitely. your ability to like face what's right in front of you. Um, and, you know, is that your training or is that has that come from somewhere else? I'm curious, you know. 
that's a, that I, I ask myself that I know, you know, I'm very much, I always talk to my parents about what their experience were like when they came to the UK in the 60s and what made them so resilient and what made them stay here for so long. And, and, and they, you know, as I've got older, they told me more and more about the bad experiences they had, but they never told us that. And I would never have known they were going through those stresses. So I think I have learned so much from them in terms of their resilience and just keep going. You know, you've got that end goal and the end goal for them was to go back to St. Vincent or send money back home for their family, their parents. Mm that that just will to keep going regardless of what's going on I definitely probably have picked that up from them but athletics I do put down to that okay you've knocked me down uh, and they call me the grandma of athletics because I kept coming back kept coming back and <laughs> are you ever gonna retire and it, it's like no I'm not done yet I I feel I've got more to offer why would I stop just because of the age no right. Um, don't tell me don't put those limits on me and I think it's a bit of both I really do think I've got traits from my parents and how they are and what they instilled in us as as their children and also my athletics both together is it it, it is powerful it can be damaging sometimes because I want to do everything mm -hmm. you know but at the same time I feel if I can help others or make a difference to people that's enough for me. Yeah, that's amazing. So then it, it, what, what you've just said prompts the next qu the question for me about your self-care then. Because the, the whilst you roll with punches and whilst you can face, you can bring Diane out when she needs to, right? Uh, and, and that you said that for your family, you've been seen as the rock, even though you're the youngest. So given that, how do you find the other side the balance where you can take care of yourself and you're not taking too much on yeah um that that is is tough because although i i say to myself okay donna you're gonna step back here you're gonna not think about everyone make sure you know manage the family you're not gonna do that i can't i struggle to i do get tired and my friends say donna how do you do it the problem is i never say no I'll give it a go, whatever it is. I never right. say no. But at the same time, as I've gotten older, I realize I'm not a Duracell battery. Mm. I, I can't keep going. I will burn myself out. So I do make sure I have that downtime for me. And whether that is going shopping, <laughs> <laughs> buy more shoes, or just, just hanging out with my friends and just being me but I have to be doing something I'm not one to sit in front of the TV and vegetate it'll do my head in because to me since the breast cancer thing I'm wasting time I'm wasting right. life it, and that really sounds odd it probably sounds odd to other people but that's not rest for me rest is mentally resting so if that means right. going to a, a bar and sitting and talking to my friend what have you been doing this week that's my rest Right. It's bizarre, but right. uh, you know, even my holidays are not holidays. I will take my kit. I find solace in going for a run. That's when I think what I need to do next and mm -hmm. my plan. And I'm I'm in my element when I'm running because I'm free, the air and all of that. Um, but to sit down, I know when I'm tired is when I just can't move anymore. So I just wait for that moment. 
<laughs> and then you and then you then you stop and then you like recharge and then you yes then you get going again yes wow so i'm curious about your family mm-hmm. like this and you talked about the mess the some of the lessons that you got from your family the resilience and that um if we t- if we talk about success and where your success has been rooted from where do you think that's been that's come from then you think it, about your, your uh, yeah um my dad my dad obviously the head of the family very very strong character um even you know further family always looked to my dad and i saw that growing up you know any advice he was the strong but you know had that real strong voice whatever advice he gave you took it on board even if you didn't believe it you <laughs> took it on board um and he he had that you know tall six two broad shoulders that's who i saw my dad as and for he, he'd always say to me you know donna do whatever your mind tells you to do and don't let anyone tell you otherwise and it's interesting i wanted to be a carpenter like him so would go to work right. with him in the holidays and be in the back of the van you know with the the, the wood and the everything and the tools and you know Christmas would come and I'd beg get me a toolbox I don't want a doll I don't want all of that I don't want games I want a toolbox but if he had his own way I know he would have wanted a son he had all girls and I would have been that boy I would have been that son because he just he didn't wrap me in cotton wool he was like no go and change that plug and my sisters actually they were they're quite good at that but for me I was the nitty-gritty one and he'd always say to me, Donna, and I never understood it when I was younger either, like, Donna, you're going to have to work twice as hard as anybody else to achieve success. And I didn't get it when I was young. I was like, right. okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm gonna. But as I get older, I know what he meant now because how he was when he came to this country, he had to do so many different jobs to survive right. because obviously he's a black man. You know, right. it was hard then. And I get it. And I have whatever level it is, I have to go above that. And that's my mindset. And even my coach would say it to me, Don, if you think you're running fast enough, it's still not fast enough. You have to get another gear. So I have that in me mindset. Yeah. You know, someone says, Donna, go and do a go and I need that report by Friday. I'll make sure that it, it's in on Thursday. I won't wait till Friday. You know, right. it, I'm on it. I'm always trying to be on it the best I can, but also at the same time managing people's expectations, and I expect the same in return. Wow. Well, I'm, 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 I have so many thoughts about my own father right now because he was a carpenter, and <laughs> um, as well, he was from the Caribbean. He was from Dominica, and and uh, I didn't. I wasn't sitting in the back of the van. I wasn't that <laughs> child. You just prompted all those beautiful memories. One of my questions is all has latest questions. What's been your courageous moment in your life? And you've just shared something <laughs> really major. So I'm, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Mm-hmm. Was that the most courageous moment in your life when you, or how you dealt with the cancer or your? Um, olympics or where was it where was the most courageous yeah i think that i've I've had several um and i think the goalpost keeps moving each time that would probably be um the most courageous 
at that time, you know, to get over it. Um, and then I, I jumped out of a plane <laughs> from 10,000 feet for breast cancer now. And that, I would say, probably overcome everything that I've oh. gone through. But what? I know. <laughs> But again, because I had in my mind, I'm doing this for all those breast cancer survivors and anyone who's going through it. That's all I kept thinking. Forget about how you're feeling, Donna. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Um, and that that was definitely I try and do something that, you know, goes beyond what I can easily do. So right. I've done Tough Mudder, which is quite hard going through mud because I hate mud, taking myself out of that comfort zone. But also what was quite challenging is my other half was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. And it, it, I treated him how I wanted people to treat me. And that was right. Okay, David, this is what we're doing. Bam, bam, bam. I'm coming to every appointment. I'll list, do the listening because I know when you're in that position, you can't hear. You don't, you hear certain things, but you miss bits. Right. So I was there with my notebook and I was like, this is what we're doing. And I wanted to be a rock for him. And I knew he was struggling sometimes in terms of the treatment. But I said, okay, come on, we're going out. We're going to do this. We've got to get back out there. And his recovery, he's all fine now, but his recovery and mindset was totally different. And he says it. It, it, I know it would have been completely different if you weren't around. So although I felt I was giving him tough love, I knew why I was doing it, but couldn't right. tell him why I was doing it. It right. was just because I'm a true believer is a healthy mindset is, is great medicine. Positivity is great medicine. And I know that helped me recover, not only because of my fitness, but my mental resilience and positivity yeah. definitely helped. Yeah. What are you doing now? What's next for you? What's your horizon? What, what you, what's your next, your own Olympics in your own life, I suppose? What, you, what game are you playing now? My gosh. Right. So the fact that I don't have athletics as my sport anymore, but I'm in the arena of athletics, mm -hmm. I'm in my element. I'm behind the scenes. I'm giving back to the sport that I absolutely love. I get up every day and think, I'm doing the job that, I love, you know, um, so I'm doing the equality and diversity stuff. Um, and I've also just started an interim role as the domestic athletics operations manager, which is looking after domestic athletics. And again, that was a challenge for me, something I wouldn't even have dreamt of wanting to get involved. But being able to work with the officials who do all the officiating at our competitions, competitions itself in terms of how they run the the whole licensing you know it's so interesting I'm wow. just in awe I'm learning every day and it's like again already my mind's ticking over at night time thinking well how can I make a difference there how can we make that be better there so that at the moment is what my focus is how I can make the best impact for my sport I want my sport to be the best in everything and I keep saying my sport because it is my sport. It's yes. like I own it. It's, it's Donna Athletics Fraser is my <laughs> middle name. Um, I just want to make a difference, you know. I, I, I don't know what that is, but I, I always find a way and will navigate and try and find something that is a key priority that I can have the most impact mm -hmm. in. 
Well, it is, it is just what you've been doing it since you were eight years old, you know, to have it. It's in your, it's ingrained, isn't it? It's just like in you. And it, it sounds like it's so, been so instrumental in guiding you. Absolutely. Um, in your life and the, the different lessons that you've, that you've um, gained. So if you had to, you could take one or two lessons with you as you move forward. What are the two lessons that you're going to take forward with you? Oh, well, one, one has always stuck with me and that go, goes as far back as my uh, primary school teacher would always say to me, Donna, be determined. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me ever since I was eight years old in anything. Just be determined. Don't give up. The other thing with the lessons that I've learned is is that self-belief. If you don't give it a go, you will never know. Oh, that rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know I've not used that one before. Yeah, if you don't give it a go, you'll never know. So it's that belief that you can at least try. That's all I ask from anyone. At least show me you're trying. You may not achieve it, you know, but at least you've tried. Don't give up before you've given it a go. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show, for your wisdom, for your your energy. (laughs) It's just really infectious. I really appreciate the time that we've had together. And I really appreciate you having me on the show as well. It's been brilliant. Loved it. Yay. I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life. You know, I loved Donna. Thank you. I love the so much in her sharing, you know, her strategy to have her alter ego, Diane, as a way of galvanizing her into action, as a way of um, taking herself on in life when she knows that the, the, there's parts of Donna who won't take that action. The way that that part of her supported her at one of the most challenging times of her life when she's dealing with cancer is just like amazing. You know, so there are so many um, ways that and things that Donna shared that we can kind of adopt and take on in our own life. You know, I don't have an alter ego. I was curious about that. I, you know, I know some people do. But I'm thinking, what's the the thing that I say to myself in those moments where I need to step forward? And this interview has given me some ideas about how I can step forward and go beyond those places where I want to stop in my own life in this year. You know, how I can pay attention to the those things that need to be paid attention to you know so thank you so much donna for the inspiration for who you are for the work that you do and just for being on the show it's just like i i have loved it and i appreciate you and i love you so thank you thank you thank you um let me know what you have taken away from donna you know i want to hear from you i'd like to see does anyone else have an alter ego and what's her name and what does she do um, for you too? Let me know that. Um, you can always contact me through our f- Facebook page. You can contact me through Instagram and through my website. The links are in the show notes. 
don't hesitate don't hesitate don't hesitate to be in contact she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome or female band blonde the song is called circles connect with me online don't forget to be in touch thank you again for listening go well and stay well